Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolution? Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corcoran. What's good, revolutionary? Good, good. You know what? I'm not even going to start our start the show this week with all the chaos that has been going on in the world. You know what? I'm going to talk about some good things. You know, basketball is going on. We get to see LeBron and the Lakers. Forget you, Anthony Davis, because you left us here. <laughs> you left us in the New Orleans. So I, I don't even want to see you do do good. Everybody wants to go out west. Chris Paul left us. He went to he went to the Clippers. Anthony Davis left us. He went to the Lakers. You know, but it's good that basketball's back. I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm just loving to be able to watch sports here with my father, 91 years old, as I talk about all the time. You know, those times when he's up, we get to watch sports and we get to talk. I ask all of you that have parents who are up in age, spend some time with them. Talk to them. Get them to tell you stories about their childhood, about their families, about what they loved. Last week, I got a chance to spend some time with him, and we sat and talked about my great-great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, Frank Stoney. And uh, it was just an amazing time to hear my dad tell his story about how they lived together and the impact that he had on his life. So spend that time with your families because you just never know. You just never know when you're going to get that time back. Tell them that you love them and enjoy that time. And so I'm here in Virginia Beach and have been have been for the last five weeks, man. It's crazy because I said the other day, I am not a New Orleanian anymore. And it hurt my heart, revolutionaries. It hurt my heart. And I was talking to my forever producer, Rachel Graham, and she says, you know, Charles Divens left New Orleans the same day, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> if anybody knows who Charles Divens is, you, just Google him. Just take take a moment to Google him. He is the prettiest Charles that you ever, ever meet. But this brother has done amazing things. If you remember, he was on Passions from 2002 to 2007 and then decided to go model for GQ and Cosmopolitan and all the big magazines across the world. You see this brother. I actually remember him doing, I, I think it was a Bud Light commercial. Was it a Bud Light commercial? You know what I'm saying? Yes, it was. <laughs> yes. yes, it was. And I remember because it was the woman in the woman in <laughs> the woman in the commercial. She's like, well, can you because you, you asked, like, can anybody help me this? with this? You're going to get wet. She was like, oh, I'm about to go get wet. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, go ahead. Yeah, that was that was a it's me. It's Charles. You hear that <laughs> voice. The, the other Charles is uh, on the line now. Uh, in the building, uh, is, listening to you uh, wax poetic on on my my past. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I wasn't finished. I was okay. Not, okay, let me let me let you finish. We'll, I we'll was get into the details finished. in a second. Go ahead, no finish doubt. Exactly. But this brother, I remember that, and then I remember, you know, when you came to New Orleans about was it six years ago now? Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. I've seen this brother before. I've seen. I was like, that's the that's the brother that was on the commercial. But you turned into like an amazing morning anchor for the one of my favorite stations in New Orleans, WDSU, with my good, good frat brother. I gotta call him out, Damon Singleton, the the weatherman, the weatherman, the meteorologist for for the ages, Damon Singleton. So that's how I got to meet my friend, my good friend, the man that we're gonna talk to for the next 40, 45 minutes, Charles Devins. What's up, brother? How you doing? 
I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Good to be here talking to you. We're in two different cities, uh, you know, but we, we came together, which is, a, which is a good thing, you know, with all the craziness and moving and life changing and pandemics, stay inside, but move around the country. That's what we do. So yeah, uh, all things considered, I'm doing great. Wonderful, brother. I appreciate the time. I appreciate having you on the show. Look, you know, I'm, I'm trying to trying some new things, man. You know, but one thing I want to know, right? It's so important for us to talk about our experiences in New Orleans before I even get to our signature question. You know, you were in New Orleans for six years. I was there for 15. It gets in your blood. You know, it, it, it's a part of who you are. If you think about your time in our favorite city, what, what would you say that you that you will most miss about spending and spending time and living in that fair fair city where we talk about les 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 bon temps I can't even we've been gone for a while I've only been gone that's all I'm gonna say laissez faire let the good times roll exactly I forget it but what are you gonna miss what are you gonna miss about New Orleans they're gonna kill me they're gonna eat me up. I tell you, I tell you, I miss how they would drag you for doing that right there. Yeah, I know, right? Part, exactly, but, uh, exactly. Uh, but yeah, you know, I miss, I just miss the folks in the neighborhood. You know, yeah. I miss walking down the street. You know, it is uh, truly a city that is salt and pepper. Every mm. walk of life, every race, creed, color, economic, you know, uh, background, they're all in the same neighborhood and they all are on the porch, all know each other, all stop and talk. I, you know, I'm just walking my kid down the street and yeah. everybody knowing him by name more than they know me by name. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I just, you know, there's something about the warmth and the, just the, the, the community and family that is New Orleans that you w- won't find anywhere else. Yeah. And, you know, I was there for six years. I feel like I grew up there. You know, mm. I had people in the, in the grocery store asked me how my mom was never even knew my mom wow. was right now. <laughs> you know, right. but it, it felt that close for everybody. It is a wonderful, wonderful city. I had uh, Dr. Maurice Scholes on the show uh, a couple months ago and, you know, pediat- pediatric uh, neuro- neuroscientist, neuro, neuro doctor. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm just horrible today with all, all the terms, but doc don't kill me, but he's an amazing, just an amazing surgeon, amazing physician in New Orleans. And we talked about being mired in the pandemic and how we miss being in those New Orleans streets. And it's something about New Orleans that, you know, when you can't get out, when you can't mingle with the folks, when you can't go to Jazz Fest, when you can't, you know, be ready for Saints, <laughs> Saints season, right? You know, yeah. as we say, Le Bon Ton Roulet. There we go. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, he worked on it. He worked I, on it for you. I worked on it in my mind, you know, let the good times roll, you know. When you can't really get that flavor, you know, when yeah. you want to look, when you want to get to to-go cup, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss being able to take my take my to-go cup out in the streets and really revel in that New Orleans flavor, dear brother. But we move on to bigger, I can't say better things, but bigger things in life. And I just want to thank my New Orleans folks for giving me time, patience, love, uh, and the ability to, to grow as, as a man. And I'm sure my brother Charles Divens feels the same way. Yeah. Charles, we ask everybody as the beginning of the show, brother, what's your revolution? What's my revolution? Uh, you know, what I'm trying to do uh, in my life, in my time, is, is just shine light on people's stories, you know, uh, really give voice to the voiceless, give 
ideas to people who are thirsty for them. You know, and uh, you know, luckily I've been given the gift to be able to be in front of the camera and and be that conduit for people. You know, whether it's to from people's writing to your screen to people's experience in the city to the news that you see every day. Uh, you know that that is what I'm doing yeah. and what I'm on on the path to um, you do do with you know purpose and honesty. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful thing, man. And we think about being able to give voice to people's stories. And, you know, growing up, growing up as men of color, and too often our stories are one that are, you know, I'll just use a very simple term, negative, and to be able to shift the narrative around the stories of people of color, or or anyone who have been marginalized and have not had a voice um, it's, it's important. What brings you to that work, Charles? Why is that so important to you? Uh, it came to me, you Mm. know, uh, you know, it's like I said, I I had the opportunity to, you know, grew up in Dallas and uh, I had no idea that journalism or acting or writing or producing or just, you know, the creative, the creative industry was kind of foreign to me and I fell into it and, you know, every step of the way, my passion for it grew. As opportunities got bigger, my passion grew bigger. The, the thirst to tell stories, you know, grew and grew. The more people I met, the more experiences I had. Uh, and that's what continues to drive me. Um, I wish I could have said, hey, I was born to do this. But <laughs> uh, maybe I was born to do this. I just didn't know it until later in life. But uh, yeah, it definitely is one of those things where once you once you experience it, once you sit in front of somebody and you, you let them, you know, as you do on this show, and you let them just expose themselves and figuring out what that means and, and then putting perspective on it and then right. wrapping it up and delivering it to people, hopefully either moves people to better themselves or get outside and, and do better for others. Right. Now, Charles, that's amazing. That's amazing. And that's what we do. That's that that's why it's it is so important to see people like you being able to be out front and to be able to create narratives that will encapsulate people. And that's that's a that's the gift of storytelling. And you know, you being the most, you know, affable, you know, when it comes to being able to tell people's story, because I mean, I, I watch you on Instagram. I watch, you know, and I got a chance to watch you on w, WDSU for six years and watch you tell stories. But in, in, you think about your ability to endear people to you and then that in turn endears people to the stories that you're telling. And you even do that on your Instagram. And, you know, tell everybody what you're, so you, let, let's get you some more followers right here, Charles. What's, okay. your, what's, your, what's your IG? <laughs> My IG at CDLA, four letters, CDLA, uh, Charles Divens. It was Los Angeles <laughs> and it was Louisiana. Uh, I might have to change it, but yeah. that's, uh, that's where you can find me gotcha. on, on the gram, on the yeah. IG. For yeah, sure. no but, doubt. Know, but make sure you check him out. Yeah, it's just you know, images images tell you know so much. You could put you could put words to images and 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 change things. You know, it's like the photojournalism and that one of the thing bringing it back to the storytelling. You know, images have always been my passion. Like photography has always been my passion. You know, I, I grew up in a time before Instagram. 
obviously, mm -hmm. before digital cameras. So uh, it meant a whole lot more, you know, because it was so purposeful and the process was so long, mm -hmm. you know. Now we have a vision to everybody's life. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has an image. But I, I do love the way images can, can move you and then add that to words and psh, there you go. Yeah. I, I bring this back to your Instagram page just for one. Um, I have saved a number of posts of yours, right? And simply, but they are pictures of you and your wife or you and your son. And the captions that you actually bring to that tell a story about who you are. Because people can see you and be like, you know, this is his brother. This is this attractive brother, right? And, you know, and who is he? But the stories that you tell around you and your wife, right? How you all met. I actually have, uh, I know this sounds crazy revolutionaries, but this is, you know, sometimes you have couple goals. That's, that, that's, that's your, you know, there are a couple pictures of you and your wife and my couple goals because I, I see what you and your wife have. And I see the fatherhood that you actually are bringing to your young son. And I'm like, you know what? Those are goals. That's how I want to be in my life. Right. And so, but the stories that you tell in those pictures, they're captioned so poignantly as you, as you say, because you're telling a story, right? And many people on Instagram or Twitter or on TikTok, they're not telling a story particularly, right? They're not saying anything, you know, remotely interesting. But you have a way, as you just said, to be able to bring that story in just to a moment with your wife, whether it's your anniversary or out of the pool or even individually about how you feel and then people gravitate to that, right? Watching the comments, like, you know, and I'm, I, oftentimes I, I might say something crazy to you because I'm just like, I'm just having fun, right? But yeah. that's the endearing thing that you, that you bring to not only being a, a news anchor, but like you said, capturing that moment on Instagram. Charles, you know, I think about um, what we do in our world, we, going back to that stories theme and you know, what are you doing now? You know, you think about this move from New Orleans and with the, with the storytelling space and the news space being marred with so much negativity, how do we actually bring our country together by telling stories that, that are not far right or far left, but really talk about what's in the middle of, what's in the middle of our hearts and what's in the middle that's not so red and so blue, but where's the purple aspect of the story? Yeah, I think I think the stories. I mean, stories in in general aren't political, right? Mm -hmm. And and you know, I moved to Texas for a new job, and you know, just a little teaser. We haven't launched yet, but I moved here because the stories that we're going to be telling, the news that we're going to be doing, is going to be character driven. It's going to be people driven. Stories are going to be about experiences and less about facts and officials and. Uh, glamorizing violence or moments. These are about how people cope and how people are doing, uh, doing what they need to do to survive and sustain lifestyle through adverse events. And that's why, you know, so, so it, if you can, you know, it's kind of like a, I think if you watch shows like 60 Minutes or CBS where you have time to digest the stories, get time to live with people. You want to live with people. I mean, yeah. I think that's, you know, that's the easiest way to, 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 to describe the kind of storytelling that affects me and, you know, if I think really affects people is, you know, here's a person, you know, why are they in a situation? How are they dealing with it? And then let's live with it for a second. Let's see 
Let's see their life. Let's see their interactions. Let's see their mannerisms, their moments. And, and then you get to wrap it up with, a, obviously, a, you know, based in fact, based in the moment, based in something that people can relate to and a perspective that, you know, makes sense. But um, for me, that's the, how you tell stories that aren't yeah. red and blue and aren't divisive and, and insightful. You know, I, I think, you, you know, you could take a person in a protest or a rally or a march or whatever you want to call it because those labels, those labels right, are what right. divide us, right? You know, I mean, you have these divisive labels that, you know, that are, are there to incite, that they are there to draw eyeballs. And that's the world we live in. But if you take a person out and ask them why they're there and what they're doing every day and what they did when they woke up in the morning and why they took the time out of their, their day and, and are standing for something, you understand, you understand, you know, the pain or the drive or the want to, to, to speak out. You know, and that applies to people who have lost their jobs or people that are on top, the CEOs and the, and the people that who, are running, uh, who are running the country and running business, they have as equal of interesting stories as well. Because, yeah, you know, they, they didn't get there by themselves and they wake up every day and they have to fight for what they believe in, what they find valuable. Um, and I think all those things, like I said, it's not political, you know, that's, that's life and whatever that's version life. of that, you know. Whatever version of that you live is a version I want to tell. Right. You know? I, I, I love that, that stories are not political. And as you were talking, I just keep thinking about if we have the ability to hear the diversity of stories that happen in our country, would we be so mired in the divisiveness and the hate and the vitriol and the violence that we're seeing in in the in the midst of a pandemic if we could just stop for a moment charles and just hear stories of neighbors and communities and parents and children and ceos and small business who are who have thought of creative ideas about how they want to shift the world it's so amazing you know and i get the i get the wonderful I get the wonderful opportunity to wake up every day and work for an amazing organization, Camelback Ventures, where I get to hear and help women and people of color who are entrepreneurs who tell stories every day about how they're innovating to save and change the world, but really uplift our communities, right? Yeah. And it's their stories of ordinary people like Julio Rivera or Kimberly Gray or Norma Perez or Glenn Cantave, right? Who are doing these amazing things. Shout out to our 2020 cohort or Martin Knowles or Marcus Harden or Kimberly Neal or Vanessa Gill. Shout out to the 2019 cohort who are doing, and Samantha Pratt, who are doing amazing things around education to uplift our students and families. And Charles, what we do ultimately is we're trying to get them to tell their story about themselves and their ventures and why they are so important to the, the students and families across the country that need this support. Their stories, like you're saying, are so important, but we often don't hear them. Right. My good friend, Muhammad Leela, who like you as a journalist, you know, he's in Canada, amazing, embeds himself into war-torn you know, countries, you know, embeds himself to understand what's going on there. 
he talks about that we have to have this opportunity that we need this network for good where the you're only hearing good things from the news because as you know as a journalist <laughs> you know as you know as a journalist and let me say this before you got to WDSU when my first couple of years are there I wouldn't even watch the news because I knew there was going to be some young black man who's going to be dragged across the news because if he was going to jail, got caught, WDSU or w, whatever, WTKR or whatever the other ABC or CBS affiliates, they were dragging young men across the, across the screen and then oh, interviewing yeah. them. And we were like, what the hell? Yeah. Things, yeah. Time, times change, Charles. But we yeah, need I to mean, hear these stories. Yeah. I mean, you know, getting those stories surfaced to the top is really the battle. You know, uh, you talk about the pandemic and needing good stories, needing people to know about the community. I think the pandemic has really uh, changed that in a negative way because, you know, the more you turn internal, the less interaction you have with real people Mm -hmm. and the less your network is big enough to have different experiences. So you're, you're in this bubble of your family, right? You have one pretty much solid voice in most in most families it's it's pretty directional the way people think and that in turn informs where you find your news where you consume your news and what you do with it so you're in this path that gives you no no lateral movement to see what other people are talking about see how other people are living to understand other people and you know i i think a lot of the hate and the anger toward other people is just the ignorance and the lack of experience with other people, you know? Uh, and, and the more we're, the more we're internalizing everything, the more we have to stay inside, the more we have to turn on Facebook or whatever version of news, Fox, NBC, CNN, whatever version of news you like, uh, that's makes you, makes you exist in silo. And I think yes. the battle is, is educating people to get outside that, experience you know like you said what you guys are doing what you guys are doing there is you're 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 uplifting entrepreneurs and you're doing things in education um the problem is is how do we find that how do we see that how do we get how do we experience that without actually knowing yeah it's through podcasts and it's through different channels to where you know this can be passed along hopefully uh and 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 just uh, the awareness is don't be afraid to look at the other side of the page. Yeah. You know, the B side may not be your favorite side, but it's there for a reason. Yeah. I love this. Charles, you know, I love this show, man, because the, the people that I get a chance to talk to, that I get the chance to bring on the show, there's always gems that I get to go back to, like as I'm taking notes as we're talking, like these, these little gems, you know, that I get to actually internalize myself later on. You know, since we're, when we're, since we're talking about stories, I haven't asked this, this question to you. Who is Charles Divins? Like, what's your story? Uh, who is Charles Divins? Well, I, I think we covered the storytelling part, but, you know, most importantly, uh, I'm my mother's son, my yeah. father's son. I'm a, I'm a father myself to a two-year-old boy, Leo, who is, is everything to me. Uh, I'm a husband. Uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a guy with a lot of joy and a thirst for youth, but uh, the weight of experience on my, on my back, you know, uh, I, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man who is, is searching, is just searching for a purpose and, and, and for a place. Yeah. 
No, I, I love that. Uh, you know, I, I love that. Just the, the simplest parts of who you are. Go back a little bit in the story. You know, what was it like growing up in Texas? What was it like, you know, experiencing that? What were some of your triumphs? What were some of your challenges? Um, what got you to really think about, I'm going to go to be an actor? You know, growing up in Texas is an interesting thing. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm dating myself, but growing up, you know, <laughs> born born in the '70s. Uh, you ain't the were, only one, brother. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I just was going to throw that out there, but I'm glad you joined in. On yeah, the, no uh, doubt, no doubt. One of us is closer uh, to know, than the other. Real, you know, moisturization <laughs> is key. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, growing up in the '70s, early '80s in Texas is a different thing you know i mean this place is conservative it was harshly conservative then uh, my, my my family my mom and dad uh went to school in new york again in the 70s not a great place to raise a kid so they decided to um you know start start over and start a new life and they left and and picked dallas texas they had a friend and they said rent was cheap jobs are plentiful come on down and they made the move and uh uh their background at that time mixed with what Texas is, I think is kind of the real key to um, the, the drive that I have, the, the family values that I have, um, the creativity that I have. You know, I, I, have, I have a very creative family in a, in, a, in a place that was a pretty structured place to grow up. And I think that, those two forces together uh, really gave me the opportunity to see other opportunities, other paths in life, but but actually design a, a way to get to it as opposed to it just being a dream, just being a, a hobby, you know? And, you know, like once I got the, the bug to want to act, you know, I put together a plan on how do I get from A to B? You know, how do I get from sitting here thinking about it to being on stage or being in front of the camera doing it. Um, and I think uh, the structure in where you grow up and, and the, you know, I had the liberty to grow up in, in a place that wasn't uh, a hard place to grow up. You know, I didn't want for a lot of things, which was a gift that my parents gave me for moving from the city to, to Dallas, you know, and they did that purposefully. And I, I thank them every, every day. I think about that. I mean, I'm back in Texas for that very reason. Right. You know, I've got a young son that I know, I, I know I want to give, you know, every opportunity to, um, but yeah, growing up in Texas, uh, in Dallas at that time, it, it, it it was, uh, like I said, the lifestyle was easy. Fighting through kind of what it was was the hard part. Mm. Um, I had what some good friends. By, what do you mean by that, that, Charles? Fighting through what it was? Well, I mean, what it, I mean, th think about this. Uh, Dallas, uh, Texas in, in, in the 80s, uh, you know, that was a time of, of Bush and the White House, Bush being our governor. Mm. You know, I remember, here's a good story for you, and then my parents will never, ever forget you know, my mom told me this every Christmas is, you know, I come home from school. I think I was in elementary school and I guess it was, it was, it was actually Reagan or George, it was George Bush. It was George Bush. I came home from school and it was around election time. And I was like, mom, dad, you guys are going to vote for Bush, right? And I had to be like 10 years old. 
Right. So obviously that was implanted in me at school or mm. somebody had said that, you know, and my parents freaked out. <laughs> like, what is he learning and what's going on? Mm. You know? And, right. and because that was a moment, a teachable moment, I think is what I'm talking about when you put uh, the place to family together, right? So if I had that place and I was given that information, I brought it back as a kid, just uh, wrote saying it without it being challenged by my parents, explained to me by my parents and, 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 and enforced that there is choice and there is opportunity and why that was uh, not just a, a rote option, you know what I mean? Uh, I think it wasn't, it wasn't just, we're not checking the box here just because we're exactly like, Oh, you're here. This is what we do. Are you going to do it? You know? And I think that's, you know, challenging those type of that type of education, that type of environment, being able to challenge it is, you know, is, is a very valuable thing um, that that families can always enforce and always explain. I think explaining it and, and having a conversation about it, um, it's everything. Yeah. is everything Open um, but you know the, i mean the value the, the conservative value there's there are values that are conservative that are that are, are that are helpful to you as well um keeps you out of trouble sometimes <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I made it i made it through some trouble i made it through some hard some some possibly troubling times yeah. to get on the other side which i'm not is, mad at that i did too uh I, um, I did too. but yeah i mean you know it's kind of hard to like go all the way back and i try to think of those moments i mean you know i had some really great friends super diverse neighborhood you know the working class neighborhood like i said we didn't want for anything but we we weren't you know living you know living the life so we had right. you know we had to fight we had the value of work we had the value of, of, of a different a lot of different populations a lot of different immigrant populations were around you know i had, had friends who were korean and indian and and mm-hmm. you know the venezuelan and we like you know i we had those experiences together yeah. you know yeah. because they all came to that place because it was a place of opportunity mm-hmm. charles it sounds like you and i grew up in a very very similar similar uh environment i'm you know as we talked about in the green room that I'm back in my childhood, back in my childhood mm-hmm. bedroom. And I sit on my porch, my family's porch every night to watch the sunset. And, and I reminisce about growing up in a very diverse neighborhood and in a, you know, in a working class family with a principal as a father and a teacher as a mother, having those conversations like you did around choice, around uh, being black, growing up as a young black male, having the talks you know, that, that needed to be had, you know, growing up and this say, make sure that you get a bag when you take the milk out, when you go to the grocery store, you know, all yes, sir, no, sir, all those different things that had to happen for us. So it's quite interesting to see, you know, the, the similarities of the Charleses, you know, as, as we move through those spaces, dear brother, you know, wonderful acting career, passions, you know, that opportunity, any, anything that, that you took away from that time, you know, on passions, because I know you've talked about that at length over the years, but is there anything that you take away that has helped you grow in creating and telling stories that you found out while you were on passions? Yeah. I mean, if, if you know, I mean, if you have, if you remember passions, passions was kind of like a, you know, an out there soap, right? So it was a daytime show by default at the time, wasn't given a whole lot of respect on TV. But on top of that, it was like a, a, a kind of satirical take on on that right <laughs> so every day we'd go to work and you know there are 200 people on this 
on the crew and the you know the, the cast and crew were about 200 creatives right and and you know one of those things where you're if you're in hollywood and you're on a show that's on network and they're you know they're spending the money these are these are true artists right so everybody from the sound guy to the guy who paints the wall to the person who puts the craft services together these people are all the best at what they're doing and they're getting paid to do it um and just the fact that on the surface what it was was pure entertainment was 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 almost a farce you know what i mean we approached it like it was Shakespeare. Wow. We took it seriously and we took pride in every moment and we had a good time and a, and a, and a real connection and a real craft. And it's, one of those things is, uh, what I'm saying is what I, what I take from this is whatever you do, wherever you're at, you know, if you take pride in it, if you really like dig into like what it is, uh, there's so much... Uh, purpose and passion that can be mine from any situation. And I saw it every day, you know, and I miss it. I miss it because it's not the same in the news world, Yeah, you know, um, but just being around artisans and craftsmen who, who, who knew that this, no matter what the end product was, is going to be the best version of that end product. We can make it because that's yeah. what we do. What you heard there revolutionaries as brother Charles says, take your craft seriously right you know no matter what it is right take your craft and be intentional be intentional about what you do because you will only grow and get better he said he said revolutionaries that they treated their work like it was shakespeare like <laughs> that's that's intentionality brother that is that is definitely intentionality and and i see that in the work that you do now and that, that you have honed your craft and anybody who has the ability, if you can go back and watch uh, older episodes of WDSU or you have the ability to watch this new thing, we want to make sure that we promote it here. What's your revolution as well. Make sure that you continue to check out to see how this brother does his craft and how intentional he is with him, with his work. I want to get, you know, as our time runs short, dear brother, as I said, this show is for the people who, you know, for men and the people who love them. And, one of the things that I, because I am a fan of the show too, right? It's, it's like Biggie says, I'm not only, you know, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let Biggie, you know, you know the line. I'm not only a client, I'm the, but you know, you know the rest. But I am, I, I am a fan of my show and that's, it sounds hubris and I say it all the time, but I started the show because I was looking for content that was going to uplift me. And I talked earlier in the show about your relationship that I see with your wife, right? And I, I would love for you to talk about, not, not about your relationship, but what, what are the tenets that allow you to make your marriage work? Because everybody says, you know, marriage is hard. It, it is work. You yeah. have to put the time in. And it would seem, and I understand it's Instagram, and, you know, and I've seen you and your wife out, very loving, supportive. But as the man in the relationship, what do you do to make the relationship work? Well, that's a good question. I mean, marriage is work. It's hard. It's a battle. Um, I think what I do to make it work is, you know, always got to remember that, you know, marriage is a partnership. You know, we, we build, we build moments together. We build a life together. We build a family together. We, we build a meal together, you know, uh, and, and just finding time and moments to, to, you know, recharge that idea of 
uh, of partnership. Mm. I think really, really kind of gets rid of a lot of the the gray area. You know, we we fight, we 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 get sick of each other. You know, I mean that's just kind of part of part of it. But you know, in the end, you know, no matter where we go, we always come back to the idea that we found each other. We uh, we complete each other, and you know, I'm, I just make sure that I am that partner. I am that rock. I am that that a person that you know will always be there, holding it up in the storm. You know, and 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 letting her know that 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 is the main mission of what I'm here to do in this in this relationship. Right. I love that you said that. You know that we found each other. And even the midst of the midst of the storm, we're gonna find our way back. And I hear people, you know, even myself, you know, when you get mired in a storm in a relationship, all right, I'm out, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm out. But if it's your person, what I, what I'm hearing, Charles, if it's your person, like your wife is, that you find your way back through the darkness, through the through the storms, through the thunder, knowing that this is my partner. And in the, in the end, this is the person that I want to lay my head on and want her to lay, you know, her head on me. And we're in this together. We're raising, we're raising a family together. And, you know, we found each other once before we're going to keep finding each other. And I think that's, that's the amazing part. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, no, I was going to, I was going to say, I mean, you, when you find that person, you know, don't, don't, sleep on them. Don't let them go. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think that's, I think, you know, we live in a world of everything's temporary and everything's accessible. Yeah. You know, and you, you can glaze over some good things, you know, you know, either searching for something else or just not being ready yourself. Yeah, just yeah. call me Krispy Kreme, brother, because I've glazed over it. <laughs> <laughs> the lights on and the, and, the, and donuts are hot. Huh? You know, yeah, it, yeah, glazed over. You know, I had that one opportunity with this this amazing, amazing woman, and uh, I messed it over. And uh, I am fortunate. I talk about her all the time. That we are still very good friends. We're still we still have what we call partnership, but it is a friendship now. Yeah, but. Uh, Definitely one of the most amazing women that I've ever met in my life, and so shout out to her. She knows who she is. Um, well, as, long, yeah. as, as long as you, I mean, as long as you, as long as you know, I mean, obviously we all glazed over. We've all yeah. missed the shot, you know. <laughs> as long as you, as long as you can come. I mean, I think it's really, it's, it's more about knowing yourself. Yeah. Right. I think you know, you you move on because at that time in your life you were ready to move on or you were expected to move on or, or whatever that is. But I think in the end that, you know, the more you can know yourself and know what you need and what completes you and what, what pushes you forward emotionally, you know, cause I mean, that's what marriage is, what that, that, that relationship, that part of your life needs to be full and, 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 and fulfilling you know, um, emotionally fulfilling as well as, as just having comfort. I mean, comfort is, is, you know, by default marriage, you know, you're, you're comfortable because you, you, you have each other, you know, that bond is there, but really that emotional fulfillment, you know, my wife is, she's a fire, she's a fire breather, man, you know, <laughs> which, which makes, which makes me better, you know, mm. because I can't fall into being comfortable. I can't right. fall into being lazy. I can't fall into being, um, you know, not present. I mean, if you're not present, then you don't know. Yeah. yeah. Charles, you're dropping it. You are, you are dropping it, brother. You know, the, the power of a strong partner. 
And when they bring, you know, where they're bringing just as much or even more to the table, you know, that pushes you to be better. You know, you've got to show up. You got to show up. You got to get up, show up, be better, be intentional about your relationship and who you are in that relationship. You know, what I, what I want to take away from that part of the conversation is knowing yourself. And one thing that I promote here on the show is self-awareness and emotional intelligence are key. If you want to show up in a relationship, do the work on yourself. And, you know, I am an engineer. I'm in, you know, I'm in construction of Charles Corper, let me tell you. And so uh, tremendously. And so hoping that the next time that it comes, I am, I am the foundation. The foundation is there to be the best partner that I can be. Dear brother, let's 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 close out, man. I, I like to ask this last question. We're mired in a pandemic. We've been mired in unrest, you know, and we talk about taking care of ourselves. Charles, what are you what are, what are you doing to take care of yourself? Well, in this time, I mean, first first things first is health. I mean, right now, I mean, it's it's all it's it's all about being in the position to to you know be able to. To make sure you're, you're, you're you know you're you're healthy physically first, but also mental health. I mean, I tell you what I do at least once a week is you know disconnect. You know, I I, I don't want to be triggered by you know images or stories or and it's hard for me to do because I do this for a living, right? So I got to be you know in in the news cycle. But you know, on the weekends, I I I, I don't want to hear yeah uh, whether it be good or bad or anything else. I just want to be with myself, with my family, uh, and just recharge, man. You gotta, you gotta emotionally recharge, mentally recharge as much as you possibly can, you know, and, you know, hopefully you have that time and you have, you have a way to do it. You know, hopefully, you know, there's a space in your, in your, in your place or a space where you can walk or, or I, you know, I like to run in the morning just to kind of clear the head. You know? Right. Um, but, uh, and that's where that physical mental thing comes mm. together for me. Yeah. You know, um, some people do it in the shower. You let your mind, you let your mind just wander, you know, and you're like, okay, now I'm clean and I'm, I'm mentally clean. You know what that right, means? Right, right, you can get You can get it in there. I mean, but I think that's, you know, just that self-care, that self-mental and physical care right now is, is everything. It's crucial. We'll I mean, make it through. I mean, yeah, we'll, we will. There'll, be a, there'll be a time when we look back and this is going to be uh, an interesting story, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, two things with that. I think for some reason, my best thoughts in the morning are in the shower. Uh, that's when I'm, that's where I'm solving problems. Uh, my water bill is, is expensive because I'm like, I can, let me figure out this problem before I get out. And yes, you're right. We will get through this. There was, a, I was reading an article about a woman who was, um, she was a young child in the, during the Spanish flu who's actually still alive and talked about her experiences. So she's been through two pandemics and, you know, she would say, we will, we will get through this. And, you know, we will get through this. And, you know, uh, I send my condolences to the, you know, the families of the 190,000 people who have died during this. It is incredible. incredible. And you've become numb to you just watch the news. 190,000 people have died. Condolences to all the family members. And I ask everyone to be safe. All right take heed of the precautions that that are in place or should be in place to keep us safe. Think about your health. Think about everyone else's health. And as the good brother Charles Diven says, take time for yourself. Unplug. 
Because what happened, you know, my 79-year-old mother spends more time on the phone than I do. And I have to tell her, put the phone down <laughs> because she's all into, Kam uh, Kam uh, let me make sure, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, right? You want to make sure. Um, yeah. And she, look, every day she's on the phone, four or five hours a day, talking about what's going to happen in this election. Put the phone down, people. You know, distract yourself. And if you go to Charles Divin's, you know, CDLA on Instagram, he'll show you some ways, some good ways to kind yeah, of. I want to, I'm going to tell you to vote, though. Don't get, don't get it twisted, though. <laughs> <laughs> like you disconnect, but make sure you connect with that on November Yeah, 7th. exactly. Charles, look, brother, I appreciate the time. You know, I appreciate the opportunity. I know we've been talking about this for a long time. I just appreciate and am humbled by you gracing the presence of this show. You know, I wish you good luck and well wishes on your next endeavor as you're trying to tell, as we say, which has grounded this show today, to tell the stories of those who may not have the voice to tell it. And so being able to show the variety, the diversity, and the inclusiveness of our country instead of the divisiveness that we're going through. So brother, I wish you well. I look forward to hopefully hanging out because Austin is one of my favorite cities. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have family there that I hopefully connect you with uh, sometime soon. And if there's anything that I can ever do for you, dear brother, please, please let me know. Well, you just did it. Uh, that, that, that the past 45 minutes to an hour, you know, always, uh, you know, it grounds you in thought and grounds you in and just always pushing forward to to find that purpose and, and to, to keep moving, man. I, I appreciate what you do. So just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, you know? brother. I appreciate it. And so all my revolutionaries, man, I hope that you are doing well. And you know, you can always reach out to me to help you answer what we think here is the most thought provoking question of your life. What's your revolution, everyone? Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Take care. What's good, revolutionaries? What's good, revolutionaries?